Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit midweek podcast where we interview someone to talk about the Detroit Lions. We are going to continue today with our preview series uh, or post view, I guess, series of the Detroit Lions draft class going over all of the picks uh, with an expert from that college. My name is Jeremy Wrightson, by the way. I'm the host of First Bite. With me this week is Chris Perfett, my co-host. Review. It's review. called a review, Jeremy. Thank you. It's called a review. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is why you're normally you. the host, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> this is why, I mean, I, that was a very adequate move to just call it post view. So, I mean, I can't, I, I would, I approve. I, I absolutely approve. Uh, with us, our very special guests to talk about, we, we've already done one on Levi Alnzarike. We've already done one on Panay Sewell. Now time to move on to the Lions. First third round pick, Aleem McNeil. And our special guest this week is Jonas Pope from the NC, uh, the NC State beat writer for the News and Observer and the Durham Herald Sun. Jonas, how you doing today, man? I'm doing well, man. Thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate the invite. Well, we we appreciate you joining us. Um, Ali McNeil is is kind of one of the more fascinating picks the Lions made, obviously. Um, they make it right after they they draft Levi Onzerike, another defensive tackle. But this one is a is an entire different kind of breed of a defensive tackle. So before we get into, you know, the player himself, I want to talk about the person a little bit. Um, based on your your years of covering uh, the NC State Wolfpacks, um, who, who are the Lions getting as a person in Ali McNeil? Um, for sure. He, he, he's definitely one of those guys. If you did a poll and kind of surveyed the entire football facility, like nothing but good things come back um, from the strength coach down to the probably the secretaries or the janitors. Like everyone has nothing but good things to say about him. Um, you know, as a journalist, when I interview people, I always measured on how they treat me. And, you know, he was always a yes, sir. No, sir. Um, just always have great answers, great personality. Kind of, kind of, kind of a quiet guy, you know, but, you know, Still a great interview all the time. Um, very, very thoughtful dude. Um, liked by his teammates. You know, they always say nothing but good things about him. They all recognize his importance on the field and off the field. But, yeah, they, they're going to uh, – uh, he's a third-round pick with a first-round dude in the league, McNeil. I like that. I like that. Um, to to kind of go a little bit – do you, do you have, like – uh, an example of a personal interaction that you you've had with him, whether it's, I know a lot of things have been virtual, so you, you've kind of lost that on at least last year, but um, any, any stories that you have with, with him? Um, I guess, I guess one I can, and it's, it's funny thing is that we didn't even interact like that, but I was in a restaurant. Um, you know, we're in Raleigh, the next city over is Durham and uh, yeah. it's a very popular food truck type restaurant in Durham. And I, I was there with a friend one night and I saw Aleem and some other NC state football players in the line and, and they're all wearing their state gear. And, you know, I, w- I didn't want to bother them. I'm not the type to walk up to them in public. Like, hey, I'm Jonas. I cover you. 
but that's, that's just not me. Right. But uh, what I did, I did text the SID. I was like, hey, um, I see some of your guys over here at the food truck. Just want to, you know, just wasn't trying to tell on me anything like that. They weren't doing anything wrong. I was just right. saying that, hey, there, I saw some of your guys. And she was like, well, who's there? And I was like, Aleem and I named some other guys. She's like, okay, I'm not worried about them. So, you know, when, when those guys are out and about, they know they're going to they're gonna do the right thing and, and around, throughout the community. But then later on, she said she told those guys that, I text her and they were like, oh, why didn't he say hello? Why didn't he come over and speak to us? So that just goes to show that they're down to earth. He's a down to earth, uh, level-headed guy. For sure. Um, it's funny you mentioned, I think, uh, first round first round guy with, you know, th- who goes in the third round. Because I think me and Jeremy were talking before about, you know, what did that drop? Maybe we'll come back to that in a second. But I did want to talk about um, when NC State landed Ali McNeil because yeah. I mean he's a four star he was a four star athlete out of high school uh, he was recruited by Michigan I think he had an offer from Alabama but he instead decides to go to state yeah. um, and I, if I remember he came out as a linebacker running back and he had to transition to playing nose tackle and defensive tackle what was that transition like and I guess all uh, part of that too is why NC State over just a big hitter like Alabama. Yeah, I, I think, and I wasn't on the state beat when he signed, but I was I was still in the area. Um, mm-hmm. But I do remember it being a big deal that he picked NC State. I mean, he was a you know Army All American. He was this big time prospect. I think what happened was I think I feel like Bama came in late, so I feel like you know he had already developed a relationship with the NC State. You know, he's he's right here from Raleigh, so they're they're in his backyard. Yeah, home um, home has a hell of a draw. That's for sure. We, one would think his brother committed to Oregon. So, you know, it goes both ways. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, for him, it, it seems like that was the case. Like you said, Bama came in the last minute and everyone's like, oh, well, he's definitely not going to turn down Alabama. But, you know, he wanted to stay close to home. And like you said, in high school, Aleem was a 250, 260 pound running back and linebacker and a baseball player. I don't know you guys, I'm sure yeah, you guys yep. know that too. Pretty good baseball player. So he was, a, he was an athlete. He's like, he's like one of those, uh, He's like one of those dancing bears in the, in the Disney movies back in the day, you know, light <laughs> on his feet, athletic dude. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he came into state. Everyone knew he wasn't going to play linebacker. He was just, he was too big. He was already 270 pounds by the time he got on campus. And it was an easy transition to put those 30 pounds on him and, and, and put him down in the trenches. And then he's so athletic. So you just knew that he would win those battles and, and just become like a dominant NFL type prospect. But I think the big thing that shocked a lot of people is like when Aleem came in, it was a big deal, but he wasn't like that breakout star right away. He kind of had to like work his way up to through the ranks. And, you know, NC State, they're known for their defensive linemen and getting those guys to the NFL. So Aleem was a guy from day one. They was like, okay, this is going to be our next big time NFL prospect. And he just had, you know, I don't think those numbers matched that expectation early on, but then this past year, he just had a breakout season and the rest is history. Now he's, he's in Detroit. Well, yeah, I, I want to talk about that kind of early career um, of him because, you know, the stats aren't that bad. You know, he has five and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks that first year and then kind of explodes the next year after that. But was there a moment watching him where you and it, maybe it was in practice, maybe something you said, maybe something you did in the game where you're just like, oh, this this guy's going to be really good. Um, You mean early on? Yeah. OK, so I do have a story about that. And it's it, it's not it's something that didn't even happen in a game. But, you know. High school players now, when they commit, they enroll over the summer and they start working out. Yeah. And so NC State, like like every other program, posts these videos all summer, these hype videos showing the kids going through workouts and drills. So NC State has this drill. I guess a lot of teams have it where one, two players grab a tire and just kind of pulling, tugging at each other, a tug of war with the tire. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And um, Aline went up against, I'm not going to say the other kid's name, but he goes up against this guy who's a junior, who's been there, who's a big time prospect, strong guy, who's been in the weight program for at least three years already. Um, and Aline drags him like <laughs> across the field. And then I remember watching the video and the strength and conditioning coach, uh, D'Antonio Burnett, he just has this look on his face like, like I can't believe this freshman <laughs> dragging this veteran player like like a rag dog across the field. But that was when I knew like, oh, no, 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 he's going he's gonna to be legit. And like I said, the numbers aren't that bad, but I think the expectation was so high. Yeah. Um, he, he had a pretty good freshman year. But, yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, no, 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 he's, he, he's definitely going to be their next, their next guy. And here he is. Uh, let, let's move on to that that junior or the the sophomore year, I should say. He picks up five and a half sacks, I, I believe, that year. Definitely takes a big step. What what did you see specifically uh, that improved? Was it just he's getting more opportunities? Was he refining his handwork, footwork? Um, what, what made him kind of take that year two jump that that led to him suddenly being on everybody's radar for the NFL? Yeah, I mean, you said it. This opportunity, getting snaps, yeah. getting used to you know being in the trenches. Um, and I think along at some point, you know, he, he was playing behind some 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 veteran guys and, and, the, and the light just came on for him. You know, like yeah. I said, getting more snaps, getting more reps in practice. And it's sometimes it just, the light goes off and the light goes off. And at some point that that, that sophomore year, things, things clicked for a lame and the rest is history. You know, he wasn't even a guy who um, who he, he wasn't a full time starter yet. Then right. he was he was doing a lot of minutes, a lot of reps, quality reps. And, then, you know, those things count when they add up. And then he just put it all together this past season. Yeah, I was going to ask about the past season, too, because, again, you know, a lot of guys opt out because of the because of covid, because of the pandemic and everything. Um, he stays there. He plays the whole ACC season. Um, you know, like what 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 was what was really special about him in that final year? He couldn't you couldn't move him. I mean, that's a, that's a short answer, but it's just, that's that's the truth, man. I mean, in the run game, like opposing offensive linemen could not move him and. You know, if you watch the tape, if you watch, you know, this, this is something I asked him about towards the end of the year. So I noticed that when most plays in, most run plays particularly in, like you're still standing, like you're still on your feet. Like you're not getting, that means he's not getting pancaked. He's not getting pushed back. Like he makes tackles, he makes plays, but he's still on his feet. And he was like, yeah, man, that's my goal, not to get pancaked, not to get blocked, not to get pushed back by one guy. And, you know, you can see it when you watch. I, th- I think the first game I, I was like, oh, he's, I have, I have certain games I watch. I'm like, oh, yeah, he just made himself some money in that game. <laughs> I think with, you know, a couple years ago with Bradley Chubb was when they played Florida State down in Florida State. I was like, yeah, he made himself some money that, with that game. But I think with Aleem is when they play at Pittsburgh um, October 3rd. And, you know, Pittsburgh is a physical team. They have a great center. And they try to, you know, establish the line of scrimmage and run the ball at you. Now, Aleem, he finished that game with one, one, one tackle. You know, I'm sorry, three tackles. And – you know, it's not, it's not something that's going to jump off the page, but he, he, they just couldn't move him that game. I mean, NC State had a, a, a huge goal line stop on a fourth and one from the one. And Aleem McNeil and Josh Harris, another guy, they, they get a lot of credit. They just, they just couldn't move him. And that was the story for the entire game. And then you fast forward. I mean, he had some games with four tackles, but then you fast forward to a game like the Syracuse game. You know, it doesn't get talked about a lot, but that's, that's, that's another game. Syracuse was trying to run it right at NC State. He only finished that game with one tackle, but they just could not move him. They were trying to run north and south, but they were just – the running back were running to the center because Aline was pushing him in the backfield, had to redirect. And that's just like – that was the case more times than not this season. Then, of course, against Virginia, he gets to pick six, and you get to see how athletic I was. I was going to see that, yeah. say that. Like, he had three guys on him, and, again, <laughs> none of them can move him. He takes that thing and goes all the way around. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, that, that was that was a, a throwback to his days as a running back. You know, he, he saw the athletic ability because he tipped the pass too. So he, he tips mm-hmm. the pass, tracks the ball in the air. That's a baseball player. Tracks the yep. ball in the air, mm-hmm. catches it with his hands, runs the rest of the way. Stiff arms a guy. It's like a bus running back into the end zone, man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The bus, Jerome Bettis, a Detroit guy. So yeah, exactly. he, he looked like the bus. Um, <laughs> With that pick six, and I think it's really the play that opened a lot of people's eyes. Like, whoa, this guy's three hundred twenty pounds, and he made that play. So, yeah, that's the, that. Those type of things is, is is what made him the great player he was this year. And I actually watched an interview where someone asked him about that play, and apparently, some people were calling it the thick six. Thick six. And yep. <laughs> he he did not like that. He said he does not like that nickname. So, uh, news to anyone out there, any Lions fans, if you run into mm. McNeil, don't refer to that play as the thick six. But yeah. I, I kind of love That's it. I'm you, not gonna Dave. Lie. Um, I'm just joking. But I I want to talk a little bit more about that senior year because a lot of people will look at the stat sheet and they'll see he goes from five and a half sacks to one sack. In, in 2020 and we, we asked Aleem about this um, a well as well. And he said, you know, basically he went from facing double teams, maybe once every couple games to only seeing double teams in, in 2020, yeah. in 2020. Is that, is that kind of how you saw it play out as well? Yeah. This dude never got a one-on-one block. I mean, <laughs> he was guaranteed to see two guys in every single snap and you know, they play three down linemen. So of course yeah. uh, him being the middle guy, he's going to get all the attention because he's so strong. He was, he was just dominating his spot. So, yeah, I mean, I felt bad for him, but he was doing his job. You know, the stats don't jump out from that position. It's not a, it's not a glamorous position, but if you ask any linebacker on that roster, they'll tell you they were so good and they were so productive because Aline was so good at his job. So right. the Detroit know. Lions linebackers are going to – they should go ahead and buy him a watch or give him some prizes. Now <laughs> he's going to make their job a lot easier, definitely, especially in the run game. That, that is music to Lions fans' ears because I think a lot of people look at that linebacking core the Lions have. And it's not the strongest, but if they can get all the help from up front, and I think that's obviously the Lions' plans, is get a bunch of disruptors up front um, like Aleem, like Levi Onzerike, and uh, let those guys kind of run free. Um, but, yeah, but yeah before, before we head to our, our break here, um, the, the last thing I want to talk about is, is kind of his position there at nose tackle because – we, we've talked a lot about his athleticism. I think that's what pops on tape is just like that quick first step, which can lead to some pass rush. But you mentioned it a lot. A lot of his you know, contributions last year, I think, had come from that run defense, his strength, his power. And I think maybe that's something that people underrate. So can you talk a little bit about how much of a disruptor he is in the run game just based on his strength? Yeah, I mean, it just goes back to he's, he's got a thick base and he's just – it's hard to move him. He has huge legs, huge hips, um, wide, wide base, and, and this guy has good leverage, and guys just can't move him. And so in college, you you had to put two guys on him. And so if two guys are on him, that means, hey, one guy's on the defensive end one-on-one, the linebacker can run free. Um, he's just so strong. You know, he's one of those, you know, 600-pound squat guys or 300-pound, you know, uh, bench press guy. You know, just so, so such a strong dude who really bought into – the program there, the weight room program there, you know, from day one. And he was already strong when he got there. He just kept getting stronger. And just he's just tough to move, man. I, I can't say that enough. And that's what makes him so stout in the run game. You got a guy who can't – who's not getting pushed two or three yards off the ball every snap. And he, he, he's uh, resetting the line of scrimmage almost every snap. And that makes the job a lot easier for, for everyone else around him. 
Good stuff. All right, we're going to take our first break here. First bite, we're talking to Lee McNeil with Jonas Pope from the News Observer and Durham Herald Sun. When we come back, we'll talk more about him, talk maybe about some weaknesses in his game and what he projects to in the NFL level. So stick with us. We'll be right back. And we are back on First Bite talking about Aline McNeil with Jonas Pope of the News and Observer and the Durham Herald Sun, the beat writer for NC State Wolfpack. Uh, let's get right back into it. Um, I want to start with maybe one of the quote unquote biggest concerns um, that, that people have over uh, Aline McNeil, at least at the NFL level. And it's that he's kind of small. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird to say that about a 317 pound guy <laughs> but to, to play, you know, nose tackle in the NFL, you're, you're probably facing you know you're kind of expected to be more in the 330 340 range so is that a concern to you I know we we just talked about how strong he is um, but he's going to be facing a whole different type of people in the in the NFL so um said yeah it's that jump to the pros from college yeah yeah I don't think I've ever in my life I don't think I would have ever referred to him as small (laughs) right but (laughs) I can I can see how people can say that because I mean he's listed at 6'2 maybe you know Yeah. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's six two. Right. Is that um, like a pro day generous six two? Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, he's all he's been he's been listed at six two since he's been at state. Mm, okay. You know, yeah. um, so that may be one of the issues when I say small. I don't know how a three hundred and twenty pound, three hundred seventeen pound kid is considered small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, I can. I, sure, whatever. But yeah, maybe it's the height thing. And you know, I read some draft bio about you know yeah, his arms aren't that long and. Yeah, that can cause some problems in the past for us. You know, you know, you know, a little separation, whatever. Snap the ball, put the, put the ball down, and, and and blow the whistle, and and just let this dude go. He's he's so athletic, he's so strong. I think those those that small label I, that's crazy to me. Um, I think he'll adjust. I mean, like you said, he's playing a different level at the NFL. I mean, everybody's strong, everybody's smart, especially playing veterans who've been in this league for a long time and know all the tricks of the trade. So naturally, he's going to have to find his way. He's going to fi- have to find his own tricks and find his own little little things to get get the edge or get the advantage. But I don't doubt for one second that he'll do it. Um, so yeah, small, maybe maybe short, but not not small. Yeah, uh, for that position. So I I mentioned it earlier. I remember we were live during the NFL draft when Aleem was picked at in the third round, and I was talking with several draft guys who thought he was a first you know first round talent and. Um, I mean, I don't know how much, uh, I th- again, I was talking with Jeremy and we thought maybe it was just the position he played, you know, nose tackle isn't exactly like a, a high premier position, but I was just trying to figure out why he dropped all the way to third. And, you know, if, if maybe, maybe there is something he needs to work on at the NFL level. Yeah. I mean, like you said, being a nose tackle and you got to take that into consideration that a lot of teams like, like guys, they like to shift around from end to tackling and, and move in mm-hmm. different positions. Um, also, wasn't a great class for defensive linemen, to be honest, at the top. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, I, I think, I mean, we all know the NFL is a passing league, and the quarterbacks are the stars, and you want you got to be able to rush the passer. And you know, I think there were some concerns about his pass rush and, and his low numbers and sacks and, and putting pressure on the on the quarterback. Uh, again, make no bones about it. His first order of duty is stopping the run. I think everybody knows that about his game. Um, so I, I can understand if there if the if the concerns were that you know we would like him to generate a little bit more in the passing game in the pass rush. Um, so I, I, I get it. But again, put the ball down first down, second down, they're going to try to run this guy. 
it ain't gonna work. So <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll get him off the field on third down, and they they think he's an issue with the passing game. Well, I actually want to talk a little bit more about that because I personally, looking at the tape, I think he brings a lot more pass rush than maybe people think um, of of really any nose tackle. I mean, the Lions had a nose tackle already here in John Pennicini, but he did not bring like – like he was pure run stuffer. But with that athleticism, with that quick first step, I think McNeil can be a a, a force in in the pass rusher. And, I mean, he's – He's might, he might not be out there for third downs. He's not going to be like a premier pass rusher, but you know, teams pass on first and second down. And I feel like he can, he can probably push the pocket, maybe even slip by a couple guy or two. Um, do you think that's something he's capable of doing at the NFL level? Yeah. And the thing about it, because we talk about how athletic he is. So obviously he can, he can move, he can get around guys. And then you have, you have to consider that now football is a full-time job for him. So he'll spend all these days with coaches uh, learning uh, counter move and learning new moves, new, new pass rush technique. You know, in college, he can bull rush most, most guys. Um, so now maybe he'll learn a, 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 a swim move or, or a spin move or a combination of moves to kind of, you know, expand that pass rush game. So, yeah, we can see him out there on first, second down making plays. I mean, clearly we, we saw what he did against Virginia and tapping the ball to himself. And that was a passing play, uh, making plays right. like that. So, yeah, it's, it's something that he can develop for sure and, and add to his game. Do you, did you see a lot of pass rush moves at all from him? I mean, I've, I've seen a little bit like he's, he's stunting a little bit and things like that, but is it, did he mostly just win with his power when it came to his pass rush in college or, or did he have a little bit more uh, in his uh, pocket, I guess? Yeah, I, I would, I would say he was more, I'm, a, um, I'm just going to uh, bull rush the guy and yeah. get into the backfield. Um, you know, like you say, he did do a little stunning. I didn't see a lot of, I didn't see a lot of, Counter moves, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If someone stopped the war rush, I didn't see what's next. Do you have a spin? Do you have a, a swim? Or things like that. So, yeah, I, I, it was mostly I'm stronger than you, and I'm just going to lower my body and explode over my hips and just push you back in the backfield. Uh, we got a question from our, our live audience here who wants to know about his music career because uh, if, if you don't know, he, he likes to create music, and I was, I was joking off air. Uh, lines need a musician now that Marvin Jones is going. Um, so what do you know about his, his career as a, as a musician? Yeah, I, I kind of I discovered the dream, you know, lean the dream. That's just his <laughs> rap handle, the dream. But I, I discovered uh, his passion for music on on social media, just like everyone else. Uh, you know, yeah. I saw him posting links with songs on on Instagram and on Twitter. And it's so funny. Uh, I was doing an interview with him and Josh Harris, who was another three hundred and fifty pound defensive tackle, and they made those goal line stands against Pitt. And Josh Harris plays the piano, so I was like, Hey, have you guys ever thought about? You want a collaboration together and make some music? So I guess it won't happen now that the link's gone. But, yeah, he, he, he raps, and he's definitely serious about it because he, he puts out a bunch of tracks on social media. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll be sure. Now, that to... must have been his piano then. I was just listening to a little bit of it during the break. Yeah, and if yeah. you do, if you want to listen to some of his music, we'll, we'll link to it in the yeah. post on our website. So uh, be sure to check that out. I have another reader question, um, just going back to the football side of things from Constrictor 14. Um, what sort of players, maybe this is kind of speaks more to the uh, the rest of the NC State to the, uh, defensive line. So what sort of players did Aleem play with? And then I think this the second part for us, probably when you when we hear the uh, your answer, Jonas, is um, do the Lions have any similar ones? What sort of players did he play with? Yeah. Yeah. I guess like what was what was kind of like, you know, who who are his Support partners on the line and what, what yeah, kind oh, of, like, okay. was their okay. style? Like, as you say, NC State prides themselves on their D linemen. For sure. No, he, he those guys he played again. He was a no tackle. They played two ends. Um, I think for sure. I don't know. They, they rotated um, a trio of ends. Uh, Daniel Joseph, Savion Jackson, Terrell Dawkins. And I think all three of those guys have a chance to play on Sundays. 
Um, Daniel Joseph is a senior who transferred from Penn State. He's taking, he's taking advantage of an extra year, so he's back. And uh, Savion and Terrell were both redshirt freshmen. No, that's not true. Savion was a sophomore. Terrell was a redshirt freshman. So they're, they're, they were the same class, but pretty young guys who were still trying to figure it out. Um, I think, like I said, I think all three of those guys will have a chance to play on Sunday. As a matter of fact, Daniel Joseph was the fourth pick in the uh, CFL draft a couple weeks ago. He's from mm-hmm. Canada. Um, so he's already a pro. So, yeah. um, and then the linebackers he played, who played behind him, um, those guys that have their chances to, you know, Peyton Wilson was an all ACC guy outside linebacker. Isaiah Moore, middle linebacker, he's, he's back for another year. Um, you know, he, he, he could probably be a Sunday guy. And then Drake Thomas, the other outside linebacker. So, I mean, he, he was, he, he wasn't playing along scrubs. You know, it wasn't like the NC State defenses we saw back with Bradley Chubb, B.J. Hill, Justin Jones, and Contavia Street, you know, four NFL guys right across the front. You knew it from the right. day they was like – you knew it the whole year that all four of those guys were going to the NFL. Um, it wasn't that same type of, of unit, but there are guys who he played alongside this year who are definitely going to be Sunday guys. And then he played behind um, Laurel Hutchinson for a little a few years, who's with the uh, Tennessee Titans now. Mm-hmm. Um, I might say his last name wrong. I, mean, I, just, I wasn't on state beat last year, but he, he learned from him. He, he learned from a guy who who played in the league. And those other NFL guys come back and, and they, they talk to these guys. So he's, he, 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 he picked their brains while he was there. But yeah, he played alongside some pros. So it's not like they could, uh, it's not it's not like the other offenses could kind of like not pay those guys attention and just kind of all focus on Liam McNeil because no, he played along some heavyweight guys who could, who could hold their own as well. Kind of going back to him at, as, as you know, as a person, did you get a sense of how he was in the locker room? Like as a teammate, was he, was he kind of the, the, the leader of that group? Cause it sounds like he played around, around some young players. Was he someone that, that would kind of take leadership? Is he more of a lead by example kind of guy, or is, is he just kind of like, I'm going to go do my thing. You guys go do your thing. Um, again, it, it was hard to tell this year because of yeah, COVID and we, we weren't, at the facilities, we weren't at practice. We, we were talking over Zoom all the time. Yeah. Um. I just feel like he was. I mean, the voices on that defense were Isaiah Moore, the linebacker, Peyton Wilson, the linebacker, Tanner Engel, Engel the safety. Like those are the older guys. Even though Lean just left, he he left early. So, but so Isaiah and Tanner are older than he is. He and Peyton are the same class. Um. But Lean was a guy who like watched me do my work. Like I'm going to show. I'm going to lead by example. From what I can tell. Yeah. Um. He never looked like on the sideline like a rah-rah guy who was doing a lot of talking and getting in guys' faces. But he wasn't, you know, like off to off to the side by himself either, you know? He, yeah. he, he was talking to guys. He was engaged with his teammates. But he was more of a, all right, I'm about to go out here and make this play. I think I think the most vocal guy on the defensive line was Daniel Joseph. Again, he's a older guy who came from Penn State. And um, he was the vocal guy on that, on that, on that, in that position group. But Aline was a well-liked teammate. And like I said, he would lead by example. Just watch me go out here and do it. And, and guys follow. I got one more, Chris. You got one more? I'm good. You, you hit it off. You All take right. us home. I like, I like to finish with this one. And I think I, I probably already know the answer to it because we've already mentioned it, but uh, I, I got to finish this with this question. If there was one play from McNeil's career at NC state that kind of captures exactly <laughs> who he is, what was it? I mean, obviously, it's, it's, it's a thick six. I, I feel <laughs> yeah. Virginia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obviously, it was a thick six. I mean, like you said, you saw you saw the entire package on that one play. You saw him hold his point of attack when it was two guys, three guys, double, triple team at the line of scrimmage. You saw the awareness to, to get his hands up in the pass rush and, and tap the ball. You saw him track the ball in the air, catch it, shake some guys, and then outrun some guys to the end zone. I mean, again – 
320 pounds. <laughs> and yeah, he showed you, he so he showed you the whole, the whole bag as people like, so he showed you his whole bag on one snap. And yeah, I mean, I, it, there was, there was no surprise that when he got drafted. That's the play you kept seeing over and over oh, again. Yeah. On TV Cause like that was, it, it, it might've been the play of the year for NC state defensively for sure. It was, yeah, I mean, it was it was that, and I think I saw like some of his base running. He used, he did yeah. when he was uh, a lot of baseball uh, baseball player. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if things don't work out as a defensive tackle, he could be a goal line fullback um, for Detroit. <laughs> and uh, if I'm not, I need one. When he came to NC State, I think he was he also was pursuing baseball at the same time, right? He just eventually he decided to play yeah, football. He was. Yeah, I, I think if you dig if you dig deep enough, you can find some Aline McNeil baseball highlights from NC State. I think he did go out that spring of his freshman year, but then he kind of gave it up. But yeah, there was, there, there was going to be no Russell Wilson controversy for a little bit deal at NC State for sure. All right. Tyler Murray there. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, Jonas, um, I'll, I'll give the, the floor back to you. If you want to promote anything you've got, maybe where, where Lions fans can find you if they want to bounce any more questions off you. Yeah, they can, um, they can find me on Twitter at J E Pope, the fourth. Um, Occasionally, I do some Q and A. So, if they want to ask any questions about McNeil or any other prospects coming up this year, then fire away. Awesome, especially especially since NC State produces great linemen. As you say, there's going to be more coming out this year, and uh, definitely going to be following them as I start doing my draft prep. <laughs> Lions yeah, certainly like, seem like they like defensive linemen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, like I said, his bro- his younger brother just committed to Oregon, so he'll he'll be mm. a prospect in a couple of years. So there we go. Well, Pac twelve. We know the like Lions it. like yeah. Pac twelve guys as well. Yeah. <laughs> different player. His brother's a linebacker, so different different body type. Oh, <laughs> Lions need linebackers. Yep, yeah, you're, Lions you're really need the linebackers. Right yeah. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you joining us, Jonas. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you again, hopefully down the line sometime soon. Um, and thank you all for listening. Um, we'll be back with um, maybe. Maybe another OTA update on the podcast feed sometime later this week. But until then, thank you for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. Be kind.